Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, my fellow Believers, and welcome in to episode number 21 of Combat Bets on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Jason Barron, and on this Friday evening, I'll be hitting all the big fights that are coming up, as well as this past weekend's fights. It might have just been the biggest boxing weekend of the year. You had four world-class boxers in the ring on a Friday and Saturday. I'm talking about Jaime Munguia, Alexander Usyk, Gervonta Davis, and of course the monster Nayua Inoue. So I'll be recapping those fights a little later on in the show. But right now I want to bring on my guest and fellow fight fan David Pimentel. A great guy, a great cook, and my friend for years. I really recommend this podcast to anyone that enjoys talking about great fights, and that's exactly what we're going to get into, starting with Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier. So, David, what did you think of that fight at uh, UFC 254? Happened on October 24th from Abu Dhabi. Tell me a little bit about that co-main event between Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier. Whitaker ended up winning that fight by unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Um, so probably won that fight two rounds to three. Cannonier definitely had his moments. Whitaker controlled most of that fight. Give me uh, your thoughts on it. First off, I'd like to say thank you, Alex, for having me on the podcast. I'm a longtime listener, and I'm happy to finally be on the show, so thank you. Yes, on to the co-main. You're right. I mean, if I could sum it up shortly, I would say, yeah, Whitaker pretty much imposed his game plan. Didn't do as much as he said. He was talking a lot about how he was going to finish him and pretty much do whatever he wanted. He did a majority of what he wanted, didn't get the finish. And like you said, Cannoneer definitely had some good moments in that fight where Whitaker had to be on his toes or he might get finished himself. And I thought what really won Whitaker that fight was that third round head kick where he put Kanyer down. He almost knocked him out at that point. Uh but yeah, there wasn't much more to say on that fight. It was a good fight. It was back and forth at times, but for the most part Whitaker kinda just did what he wanted. And he ended up getting the W in, in, a, in a decent fashion. I would say that was a, a nice, decent win for Whitaker. But I'm not sure where he goes from here. I mean, it was a good win. He's coming off some good fights, you know, like beating Darren Till. But where does he go from here? He could be shelved for a minute. Uh, there's not that much hype around him. People don't really want to see him fight too bad right now he just declined the fight without Asanya that just became public knowledge so if you don't want to fight for the belt and you just be a guy that the champion was wanting to fight then who do you fight next you know and Whitaker post fight was saying he's kind of looking forward to a longer break from fighting both these fight camps were very close together when you look at when he fought Darren Till turning right around and fighting Jared Kanier. You could argue two of the best guys in his division at 185. But then you look at Israel Adesanya, who's just a few levels above everyone else in terms of skill level. That's why he's moving up to 205, because he probably would have fought Jared Kanier 
had he beat Robert Whitaker. But guess what? Robert Whitaker didn't become the middleweight champion for nothing. He's an amazing fighter, and it wasn't for Israel Adesanya coming into the UFC and pretty much taking over. He'd probably still be the champion. And now a word from our sponsors, betonline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. That's right, Alex. And you know what action I'm looking to take this weekend? I'm going Santos over to Shara. I'm going Manu over Everton. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we talked about who we'd love to see Whitaker up against right now. It looks like there's no clear opponent for him. He's pretty much beaten everyone except Israel Adesanya. Now I'd like to talk about maybe who Jared Kanier gets matched up with next. You know what, Alex? Call me crazy, but I'd like to see Kananier go up against someone like Marvin Vittori. He may be ranked, I think, 13th, which is way below Kananier, but he's got a lot of great skill. He's well-rounded. He's coming off some good wins. He's got hype behind him. And I think this could be a real test for either Cannoneer or Vittori. Either way, I think we get a good fight out of it. What about Darren Till facing up against Cannoneer? That could be a very good fight, too. Till is coming off some good fights, too. He's coming off, uh, I hear he's doing great with training. He's getting time to fully rest and do full training camps, and he could come back like a beast. Saying that, I still prefer to see him fight someone like Marvin Vittori. And now we're going to get into the main event on that evening between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. Looking at what Gaethje did against Tony Ferguson, a lot of people gave him somewhat of a chance against Khabib, and he said previous to the fight his plan was to attack the legs of Khabib. He did that very effectively. In fact, Khabib had to get ice on his kneecap range after the first round. But guess what Khabib can do? He can take you down whenever he wants. And that's why he's arguably the GOAT in MMA. What do you think about the fight between uh, Gaethje and Khabib? Honestly, Alex, I was a little disappointed. I expected it to be a lot more competitive than what it was. You bring up a good point with the leg kicks. But we've seen Gaethje be way more dynamic and way use those leg kicks way more to his advantage. We didn't really see that a lot in this fight. You could say it's because of Khabib's wrestling. He was afraid of the takedowns, but I'm not sure. I, I expected a more aggressive, more looking for the kill Justin Gaethje, and I didn't really see that in that fight. Maybe Khabib's wrestling nullified all of that but i don't think so i just didn't think that he performed that night as well as he could have but don't you think that khabib was also winning the stand-up not only what was happening on the mat he was winning the stand-up uh justin got a few good punches in there but like i said i just don't think justin performed that night i don't know it's i don't know if it was the fact that he knew, you know, if he beats Khabib, he'll be one of the GOATs, he'll win the belt. 
I don't know if the moment was too big. I just didn't see him perform. Guess uh, what happened? He went in against possibly the greatest fighter ever in the UFC in Khabib, a guy that has dominated every fight. And what Khabib does against truly great fighters like Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, and Justin Gaethje is he makes them look ordinary. He exposes their weaknesses and he attacks them. And he's just several levels above any other fighters in his weight class in terms of wrestling. The only guy that I've seen lately that reminds me somewhat of Khabib is Kazmat Shemaev, an absolute beast. Give me a little bit of your thoughts on Kazmat Shemaev. I disagree only in the way that I think Chemayev is a better version of Khabib, a more well-rounded MMA version. Uh, Honestly, Chemayev is what I wish Khabib would be. I wish Khabib would be more willing to stand up and knock guys out in eight seconds like he did with Mershark or be willing to go more on the ground and expose himself. But we just see him kind of doing the same thing which yeah he's he's a monster wrestler you can't beat him on the ground and if he takes you on the ground it's kind of a done deal but this is mma and i'd like to see him mix it up a little bit more but yeah all that being said i love chamayev he's a great fighter i'm excited to see him fight i hope he continues on his dominant path but yeah khabib's the greatest wrestler ever in you know mma history and He's one of the goats. So getting into a little bit of this goat conversation, coming off another dominant win by Khabib. Unfortunately, he's retiring. We'll see if that sticks. But if he is retiring, he really doesn't need to add anything more to his legacy. The only real fight that people want to see is him against George St. Pierre. I think it's a legacy fight for both fighters. An absolutely dream matchup. But uh, moving on from that, who do you think is truly the GOAT in MMA uh, coming off this sudden retirement announcement from Khabib? In my opinion, it has to be Johnny Bones Jones, undisputably. I mean, he kind of went off on a tangent himself, and a lot of people who are into MMA might have already seen him. But he got 16 title defenses versus four against tougher competition during a longer stretch of time. You could say a lot of the guys that Khabib fought before the UFC weren't up to the caliber that John Jones has been facing early on in his career since day one, honestly. Having said all that, it could definitely be argued that John Jones lost to both Thiago Santos on one leg and to Dominic Reyes. Guess what? Khabib never had those type of performances. He was always dominant against the best lightweights in the UFC. But also, Alex, guess what? John Jones won those two fights. Even though they were close, he won those two fights. That counts as two more wins on his, you know, GOAT status. Two more than Khabib has against very, very tough competition. Hold on. Before we completely disrespect the women in the GOAT conversation... Why don't we bring up Amanda Nunes, who's arguably a man fighting against women. I don't want to sound sexist, but honestly, that's what it looks like when she gets in there. Arguably, she's the most dominant fighter in their respective sport, the most dominant athlete on planet Earth. You could make the argument that she's more dominant than Lionel Messi, than Novak Djokovic, than Serena Williams, definitely Serena Williams, looking at her recent record. 
but there's really no comparison to what Amanda Nunes is doing. So I want you uh, to give your opinion on that. I got to agree with you, Alex. Uh, Amanda Nunes is a total monster. She's faced some of the toughest competition and has gotten her hand raised every time. One of my favorite fights in all of MMA history is when she beat Ronda Rousey in such a dominant fashion. I mean, for my money, I could watch that fight ten times over and be happy. But uh, with that being said, she, again, I'm not trying to sound sexist either, but she is a woman, and I feel like if you were to put her up against, you know, a Khabib version of herself, she would lose, or even Khabib himself. If you had a straight fight between Khabib and Amanda Nunes, I think she gets beat 10 out of 10 times. So Okay, while Amanda Nunes does train with men, you can't just put her in there against a man, and not just any man, but perhaps the greatest wrestler in UFC history in Khabib Nurmagomedov. So let's not, you know, mix the two genders too much, but there's no doubt that what Amanda Nunes is doing for women's MMA is comparable to what Khabib and John Jones are doing for men's MMA. And moving on from that, do you think any other names deserve any consideration in the GOAT talk? Uh... I do. I think 100% you can't bring up GOAT status without saying GSP. I mean, inside and outside of the ring, this guy promoted MMA in the best light. He was always a, a student of the sport, always shedding light to how MMA can improve other people's lives. He for sure a GOAT. I definitely hear what you're saying about GSP. But there's one fight that really sticks out to me, and it was Johnny Hendricks against George St. Pierre. The only reason George St. Pierre won that fight is because of his name. If it's any other fighter, Johnny Hendricks wins that fight on most nights. And you have to agree with that. While GSP is arguably the GOAT, I still think that is a stain on his sterling record. That is true. I mean, you could also say a stain on his record is getting knocked out by Matt Serra. But am I not correct in saying that Johnny Hendricks later, soon later after that fight, tested hot for some sort of PEDs. I think that could be also a reason why he gave such a great performance. I mean, you have a guy giving his all out naturally versus a guy who's giving his all out on PEDs. I mean, the guy with the PEDs has in it in his favor. First of all, I do not want to accuse Johnny Hendricks of any wrongdoing. I have not heard any of that. We're not going to say that's facts at this point. All I am saying is that GSP did not look particularly dominant on that night against Johnny Hendricks. I mean, you could say the same thing when Khabib got caught. I think it was in the second round by McGregor. 100% that stunned Khabib. He was hurt by that shot. And what happens? His corner screams at the top of their lungs, takedown, takedown, takedown. Why? Because they know the takedown is the safe route where Khabib has time to recover. And that's where he's dominant. Yes, you could argue that during that McGregor fight that Khabib might have been somewhat vulnerable. But he still won that fight by fourth round submission. So it really doesn't matter what happened before that. The only thing that would matter is a possible rematch between the two. And I don't think McGregor wants to go through that pain again that he did when he felt the power of Khabib over and over on top of him. So to conclude, right now my GOAT is Khabib Nurmagomedov on the men's side and of course Amanda Nunes on the women's side. 
David, who are your goats? There's only one true goat, Artem Lobov. But seriously, in my opinion, it's John Jones hands down, and for the women's, undisputably Amanda Nunes. And looking ahead to one of the biggest middleweight fights for contenders, I'm talking about Kazma Chimaev against Leon Edwards. Right now, Leon Edwards is a third-ranked middleweight, so a big step up in competition for Kazma Chimaev. How do you see that fight playing out? It's coming up in December. I'm not trying to overlook Leon Edwards and everything that he's done because I think he's coming off of like eight or nine fight win streak, which is phenomenal. But I think Chemayev's fighting style is going to be too much for him. I think he's going to be too dynamic, too powerful, and I think he's going to be able to bully Edwards into maybe a second round TKO. Edwards has been giving some really good performances but I think his fighting style is a little bit antiquated at this point in time. The MMA game is evolving so quickly. And you have fighters like Chemayev who are, are learning, I feel, as the days go on. They're, they're gaining experience. And I just think that's going to be too much for Edwards. And Chemayev gets the dominant win like he's been against everyone. Yeah, I don't really think we've seen someone in MMA coming in and excite fans so much as Shemaev has done in his first three fights. And for Dana White already to put him up against the top middleweight shows what he thinks of him. And I think in the not-too-distant future, he will be the welterweight champion at 170, most likely fighting against Kamara Usman. I think Shemaev wins that fight. This guy has shown zero weaknesses, completely dominant. Maybe he moves up to 185 and becomes the double champ. The sky truly is the limit for Shemaev, and I can't wait to see him fight again in December. Funny you say that, Alex. I actually see him losing to the Nigerian Nightmare if that fight ever comes, too. Maybe if he has another year or two to train, but on the way that he's going, if he does get that fight, it might be within a year, and if that does happen, I think he loses. I disagree. There's no stopping this guy. I mean, you look what he did in stand-up, knocking out Gerald Murchard in 17 seconds, I believe, and then in his other two fights, completely dominant in his wrestling, something we've really only seen out of Khabib. And because of his striking, his ground and pound, and his dominant wrestling, I don't see him losing to Kamaru. I really think there's no stopping this guy. I agree with what you said. I just think Kamaru is a better version of that. Now we're going to hit a UFC recap. UFC Fight Night, Hall vs. Silva on October 31st, Howie Night. Maybe a spooky ending for the legend Anderson Silva. We'll see where he goes from here at 45 years of age. But I quickly wanted to touch on the co-main event between Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. David, what do you think of that fight? Uh, Not much to say there, Alex. It was a good fight. I found it very entertaining. Unfortunately for Feely, he loses any hype he had coming on him. I know he was looking to give a big performance. A lot of people see him as a gatekeeper. He was trying to show that he isn't. But unfortunately, he ended up taking an L. And I think he has a lot of more work to do. Uh, Bryce Mitchell looked good. Uh, definitely could improve more on the striking game. His wrestling is phenomenal. I thought at one point in there he would have gotten a... a a submission but that didn't happen but I think uh he needs to improve on his stand-up because he did get tagged there a, a few times quite a few times uh 
his conditioning needs to improve. Um, but yeah, overall, man, n- no one really wins in this fight. I mean, Bryce Mitchell didn't do it in a great fashion, so no one's talking about him, even though he got the W. And Andre Feely, it's kind of like, yeah, you might have expected him to take this L, so he kind of goes nowhere either. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because I think this was a big statement for Bryce Mitchell. He put on an absolute dominant performance in terms of his wrestling. And this was against a guy, like you said, had some hype coming into this fight, coming off some big knockout wins. But Bryce Mitchell completely minimized that. And I think he could be a featherweight to definitely watch out for. We'll see if he goes up against some better competition because I believe that Andre Feely was his uh, toughest competition to date and he absolutely aced that test with flying colors. So getting matched up with a top featherweight, maybe a Zabit Magomed Sharipov or a Yuri Rodriguez or maybe the Korean Zombie coming off a loss to Brian Ortega. We'll see what happens in the featherweight division. I wouldn't say necessarily a dominant performance, but... It was definitely a good fight. He was definitely dominant in the wrestling. Like I said, he showed a lot of holes, in my opinion, in the stand-up game. But yeah, him versus Korean Zombie, that would be a real nice fight to see. Well, let me tell you the fight stats. Mitchell, he landed 100 out of 135 total strikes. Very, very accurate there, only missing with 35 strikes. A lot of that was ground and pound, of course. And then Feely, 51 of 97. So he's getting outstruck on the feet by almost 50 strikes. And then on the ground, absolute domination from Mitchell. 10 minutes and 12 seconds of ground control time versus 34 seconds of ground control time for Andre Feely. So he outstruck him by almost 50 strikes and out-wrestled him for 10 minutes of a 15-minute fight. I mean, how can you say he didn't dominate? Yeah, but every time he got tagged by Feely, he felt those punches. That's for sure. And look at the damage. I mean, Feely looks like he didn't even get into a fight afterwards. And Bryce Mitchell has that huge cut over his eyebrow. The the few times that Feely did get to tee off on him, I feel were very uh, beneficial for him. He just never got to do it for that long because Bryce Mitchell's wrestling was so dominant. Having said all that, I definitely think Bryce Mitchell is a name to watch out for in the featherweight division, and I can't wait to see him in his next fight if uh, some of the holes that David's talking about in his game actually get exposed uh, a little bit more than they were against Andre Feely. Now let's move into the co-main event, maybe the last fight for the legend Anderson Silva, taking on Uriah Hall at middleweight at 185 pounds. That was a good fight. I was entertained. There were there was a lot of back and forth early on in the rounds. I'm sad to see the legend uh, Anderson Silva go out like that. But uh, towards the end, it was a great performance by Uriah Hall. The third and fourth rounds, he came out very dominant. Um, he started letting his hands go like how people wanted him to and how his corner was screaming. Uh, dude has a lot of underlying potential. I just think he needs to let those hands go and have a little more confidence in his abilities in the cage. And in this fight, I thought Anderson Silva was winning a majority of the rounds outstriking him. But what really won Uri Hall this fight and got him the knockout was those counter rights. And the second knockdown coming in the fourth round after Silva was definitely dazed, saved up by the bell at the end of the third round, you could tell he was just coming in very 
sloppy and pretty much just gifted Hall the knockout and that's not something you like to see from a legend like Anderson Silva. You don't like to see these heroes get brought down to the human level and unfortunately since Silva got knocked out by Chris Weidman he really hasn't been the same fighter. Yeah that's true. Um, I'm not trying to take away anything from Hall's win because it was a good win and he deserves it. His uh, striking at the end there was on point. Like you said, with those counters, those were very nice. But yeah, I mean, Anderson Silva, his last exchange there at the end when he got countered and eventually dropped and finished was very, very sloppy. Even Michael Bisping called it out on the commentary. I mean, he came in, I think, with both of his hands kind of just flailing in the air. And I mean, honestly, anyone who's a half-decent fighter would have seen those punches coming. But all, like I said, with that being said, uh, great job on your eye hall to capitalize, to see those punches coming, and to give a good combo to put them away. Yeah, and do you think Silva should be retiring now? Me personally, I believe so. Um, I, I hate to see him go out like that, but I would hate more to see him take unnecessary damage. I feel like we should, you know, he should go out on a high, not necessarily winning this last fight, but he's still recognized as one of the greats. He still has a good record. And I think if he keeps fighting and keeps taking losses, it's just going to keep tarnishing that record. Right. And looking at the fight stats here, they were very close. Hall landed 61 out of 112 total strikes. Silva landed 57 out of 114 near mirror image on both sides hall only outstriking him by four strikes but having said that hall was definitely the harder puncher in there and silva just couldn't quite get his timing down that we saw him so early on in his career do against the best fighters in the ufc for sure uh hall was very gun shy um he's kind of known to be a little gun shy and yeah uh i think honestly i just think we saw a natural deterioration in skill i mean that's what happens no offense the man is 46 years old you're gonna be a little slower your your punches are gonna be a little more uh announced and pronounced and and a young guy in his prime like uriah hall is gonna see those coming a mile away he's actually only 45 years old but he definitely gave fight fans amazing memories i'm always gonna remember that front kick knockout of vitor belfort or uh, he submitted Chael Sonnen. This guy just did things you didn't see before in the octagon, and that's why he's such a fan favorite and definitely one of the greatest to ever do it. Or how he knocked out Forrest Griffin going backwards. What kind of insaneness was that? For sure, Anderson Silva is a legend, is going to go down in the Hall of Fame, and was one of my favorite fighters of all time. And I really wanted to see him beat Chris Weidman. I'm not really a fan of Chris Weidman, I've liked how he's kind of been on the downturn of his career after those big wins over Anderson Silva. No offense to him, but it kind of also showed that Silva was already starting to decline and getting maybe a little too confident in his abilities because he left himself wide open with his hands down against Weidman. I couldn't agree more, Alex. Uh, not trying to take anything away from Weidman, but I kind of feel like Anderson gifted him the first fight and the second fight was just a freak accident. I mean, there's nothing you can do if a guy breaks his leg. But yeah, Henderson Silva uh, was doing a little too much showboating, uh, ended up getting caught. Chris uh, did a great job in taking advantage of that. 
But like I said, I feel like he was gifted that fight. And in my opinion, I I truly never felt like Chris Weidman was that championship caliber. Definitely a great fighter, uh, top 10 for sure, maybe even a top 5. But uh, when it comes down to championship status, I don't think he ever had it, which is why I feel he lost the belt rather quickly. Anderson Silva started fighting all the way back in 1997. He's been in the fight game for over two decades quite possibly the toughest sport in the world and he's been doing it for so long i wish him nothing but the best in retirement and i don't want to see him keep getting knocked out like he's been doing i love anderson silva he's the greatest yes thank you so much anderson silva for gracing your presence with this sport but it's very hard to perform at your top level when you're 45 years young so teach the younger generation mma I don't know if you should be stepping back in there with your reaction skills so slowed down by age and wear and tear and your eye hall really took advantage of that opportunity. So I'm curious uh, to ask you, who would you like to see Hall up against? I'm conflicted. I kind of feel the same way I do about Whitaker. He's coming off of win, which is good for him. And he's 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 had some good performances in the past. But I'm not sure if he's ready to step into that championship caliber quite yet. I feel like if he tries to go up against uh, the champ, he gets beat decisively. Um, He needs to definitely improve that gun shyness he has. Needs to get more confidence in his abilities because he has them. He's for sure can be a champ. I just think he needs to brush a little things up and work on that mental side. The guy that I would love to see Uriah Hall take on next would be Jack Hermanson. Coming off a big win over Kelvin Gastelum, these are two top middleweight contenders. I think Hermanson's wrestling is absolutely amazing. I mean, you look at what Gastelum did against Israel Adesanya. That was a five-round war. Guess what Hermanson did? He got Gastelum out of there in the first minute of the fight, I believe. Absolutely amazing performance from him. And, you know, I think against Uriah Hall, most likely Hall loses that fight, but it's definitely a middleweight fight worth looking out for. And Hermanson is ready to go. Didn't Darren Till just pull out of that fight because of an injury? And before we pile too much on Anderson Silva, he did fight Israel Adesanya, possibly the greatest striker right now in the UFC, all the way to a decision. Something that guys like Paulo Costa can't even say. Anderson Silva's the greatest. All right, now moving on from the amazing Anderson Silva and Uriah Hall, we're going to get into a preview of UFC Fight Night, Santos vs. Teixeira, happening on November 7th from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Prelims are on ESPN Plus at 4 p.m. Main card also on ESPN Plus and ESPN starting at 7 p.m. And in the co-main event, we've got Andre Orlovsky. He's 41 years old. 6'3", 244 pounds, 77-inch reach against Tanner Bozer, a Canadian heavyweight, very promising guy. He's 6'2", 29 years old, 232 pounds, and a 75-inch reach. 
And looking at the odds for this fight, Bozer is a big favorite at minus 320. Arlovsky, the big underdog, at plus 260. This could definitely be an upset for Arlovsky because he's very good at stepping back and catching his opponents, uh, you know, in between their punches. So Bozer's definitely going to want to watch out for that. How do you see that fight playing out? I think Bozer gets the win by knockout, maybe second round. Arlovsky's a tough guy. He's a veteran of the sport, definitely a knockout artist himself. But I think Kyle, sorry, Tanner, Bozer is going to have what it takes to put him away. He's very aggressive. He's very fast for a guy his size. He throws hands like a 145er, and he does good combinations. Um, All those things considered, I think he's going to get the TKO or knockout in the second round. But Orlovsky can definitely catch him on a counter. He's done this many times in his career, so he does have to be careful for Orlovsky's power and his counter and his experience. And looking at Bozer's record, his six losses are all by decision. This guy has never been knocked out. So do you think Orlovsky could get the knockout? Uh, 100% is definitely possible. Do I see it happening? Unfortunately, no. I think Arlovsky's just going to be a little bit slower, a little bit more hesitant. I see uh, I see Bozer backing him up and eventually teeing off, getting some combinations, and getting a TKO finish in the second round. And if Bozer really looks dominant in this fight, would you like to see him take a guy like Alistair Overeem, maybe Junior Dos Santos, or do you think he's not quite ready for those heavyweights? I would like to see him take a significant step. Those are very good suggestions. I would like to see him take on tougher competition to really put him to the test. Is this kid really about what he says? Can he really throw hands and put people away and, you know, put together a plan, not just knocking guys out? Because I mean, yeah, you're heavyweights. We know you can knock a guy out. But how can you knock a guy out? You just throwing hands like a crazy man? Or are you actually putting a plan together in place to knock him out? That's what I'm interested to see. And uh, what I've been really impressed by Bozer in his last two performances is his timing is on point. He's really good at countering or coming forward, really showing he's quite the quality striker at heavyweight. And I'm not really too sure what happens between Arlovsky and Bozer if this fight does go to the ground. Who do you see having the advantage on the mat? Uh, Just purely speaking off of athleticism, because I think Bozer is a very athletic guy. Uh, You know, it shows in his speed and his foot movement and in his combos that he throws for being that big of a guy. Um, I think he... He have the advantage in the ground and pound, but I'm going to give the advantage to Arlovsky in the jiu-jitsu if it goes to the ground. And I think Arlovsky will have the experience uh, and, and the knowledge to go for the jiu-jitsu versus just a ground and pound. But you're still picking Bozer by second round knockout. I still pick Bozer second round knockout. All right, now we're going to move on to the main event. A huge light heavyweight, maybe the winner of this fight, fights the winner of Adesanya Blachowicz. We'll get into that fight a little bit later. But this fight between Thiago Santos and Glover Teixeira is huge in the light heavyweight division. Santos is a minus 240 favorite. His opponent, Teixeira, is a plus 200 underdog. Thiago Santos stands at 6'2". He's 36 years old. 
205 pounds with a 76-inch reach. His opponent, Glover Teixeira, also 6 foot 2, 205 pounds with also a 76-inch reach. The only difference is the age between these two fighters. Glover Teixeira is 41 and Thiago Santos is 36. How do you see this fight playing out? I give it to Thiago Santos. Uh, if he comes in there how I think he should, like a beast, how he has in earlier fights, he needs to come in and he needs to be dynamic. He needs to throw combinations and nice power punches because recently uh, the fights that Teixeira has lost, they've been by knockout, and those usually come when his opponents are overwhelming him, throwing combinations and hitting those power punches. I want to see a lot of hooks, a lot of uppercuts, a lot of dynamic movement, throw him off, and I think he'll get the third round knockout. Let's just look at Thiago Santos' record here. After his loss to David Branch back in 2018, got knocked out by Branch, quite surprisingly, he came back, beat Kevin Holland by unanimous decision, knockout of Eric Anders, knockout of Jimmy Manua, and Jan Blakowicz, the current light heavyweight champion. His only loss, a split decision loss on one leg to John Jones. It could definitely be argued that he is the light heavyweight champion, and it's only a matter of time before he fights Blockwitz or Adesanya. I also give him the chance of winning because they're both getting up there in age. And I, I think, if anyone, it's Santos that has the better chance of making a name for himself if he does win this fight uh, to possibly be champion. This is arguably their last chance of on the champion's road. And it's like, if, if you start over from this, you're kind of done. If uh, Teixeira loses in a, in a bad way, let's say by knockout, his title chances are kind of done, you know, because of his age. And same goes for Santos. He's not the oldest, but he's not the most relevant fighter. And if he doesn't give a great performance and really build some hype behind him, people might forget about him too. And how impressed were you when Glover Teixeira fought Anthony Smith, he dominated Anthony Smith even more so than John Jones did. That is true, and that was unexpected. Uh, but I feel like a lot of that performance was him knowing that this could be his last chance at the title. Uh, I'm not saying that as a bad thing, but I hope he continues this same attitude in all his fights. And if that, if he does, I think he definitely could win it. He has the jiu-jitsu, he has the ground game, he has the stand-up game to definitely be champion again. Uh, but will he do it? We'll wait and see. He needs to keep that same mentality that he did in the Anthony Smith fight throughout all his fights. And if he does, for sure, we could see him win the belt. So you actually see him upsetting Thiago Santos? If he comes in with that same mentality, I do. I feel like his jiu-jitsu and ground game is a little better. Uh, you could give Santos the stand-up just because of his power. But Glover Teixeira does also throw nice combinations. He does have good hands, and he has more experience. Glover Teixeira has a chance of pulling off the upset against Thiago Santos. But I just think that Santos is going to have too much power for him. And he beat Jan Blockowitz, who can also take you down and wrestle you. He's not only a striker, 
So this guy has shown to beat better competition than Glover Teixeira in the past. This is a great matchup of two top Brazilians. But if Santos loses this fight, all that mo great momentum he had when he almost beat John Jones is just going to be all for nothing. True. So how do you see this main event going? Um, like I said, you know, they, they both can definitely win the fight. And Teixeira does have the chance of getting an upset. But ultimately, eight times out of ten, I see Santos winning this fight. I just think his stand-up and his aggression and his power will be too much. And he gets the third round stoppage. Now, moving into boxing, what did you think of the performance by Gervonta Davis against Leo Santa Cruz? Well, at the end, great performance, uh, especially at the finish. It showed he has uh, a lot of knowledge of the sport. He has a good fight IQ, definitely has power. Um, but for a majority of it, I felt like Gervonta Davis didn't do much. Or maybe that was his game plan all along, was to let Santa Cruz think that he was winning the fight and give him a false sense of security, and that at the very end show who he was really facing. Yeah, it's true. Gervonta Davis could be the next big star in boxing. I mean, you look at his knockout power, his short stature. He's got superstar written all over him. And Leo Santa Cruz was probably his toughest fight to date. And Leo Santa Cruz threw three straight right hands. Gervonta Davis timed him beautifully in between punches, landing quite possibly the knockout of the year. A beautiful left uppercut that Santa Cruz did not see coming, put him out on the spot. Amazing stuff. And in all the wars that Leo Santa Cruz has been in, we've never seen this happen to him. That's that fight IQ. And Gervonta Davis is perhaps Floyd Mayweather's most known protege. He promotes him. He was at his fight ringside when he knocked out Leo Santa Cruz. And for Gervonta Davis, what's his natural weight division? Does he stay at 130 pounds or keep fighting at 135 pounds? There's a lot of great matchups out there. Maybe Tiafimo Lopez, maybe Vasily Lomachenko, or Jorge Linares. And for Leo Santa Cruz, he should just rest up. And I'd love to see him take on Carl Frampton again. We'll see what happens with both these fighters. But there's no doubt that Gervonta Davis is coming up and could be one of the biggest stars in boxing. I want to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And speaking of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder just came out with another crazy video accusing Tyson Fury of cheating, maybe having his hands wrapped in a weird way with his gloves, and he blamed his everything from his costume to his trainers to the water he's been drinking in between rounds in that rematch against Tyson Fury. I think he's just a sore loser that lost to a better heavyweight, quite possibly the best heavyweight in the world. And Anthony Joshua's fighting coming up later in November against Kubrat Pulev. If Pulev pulls off the upset, it kind of pulls out all the momentum for Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. So hopefully we get that fight between Fury and Joshua if Joshua gets past Kubrat Pulev and if indeed the scheduled third fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury 
falls through, then his next opponent should be Anthony Joshua. Now moving on from the heavyweight division, some really huge news in boxing. Maybe the biggest star and best pound-for-pound boxer in the world. Definitely an argument for it. Canelo Alvarez. He hasn't fought since last November, literally a year from now, against the great Sergey Kovalev, one of the greatest light heavyweights of all time. He knocked him out. And now he's a free agent, officially separating from DAZN. I want to ask you what you think the impact of that will be. This is crazy. I can't believe it. Coming off such a dominant performance and knocking out Kovalev. I mean, I don't think it's anything crazy for a fighter to take a rest period that long. It's not like it's been 10 years since he's fought. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of shocked, honestly. I think it's a big mistake on their part, and they're going to lose a lot of profit because of that. Yeah, it's not really a good look when as DAZN, this new streaming service that's really trying to take over in the fight game, you lose your biggest star, and you know, now maybe we're not going to see Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez fight a third time because Golovkin is still with DAZN, so we'll see how that all plays out. A really, really uh, bad performance here from Oscar De La Hoya and DAZN and Golden Boy Promotions. I'm not really sure where Alvarez goes from here. There's a lot of different options for him in terms of Demetrius Andrade, maybe Billy Joe Saunders. And then at light heavyweight, you've got great fighters like Dmitry Bivol and Artur Beterbiev. That would definitely be great opponents for Canelo Alvarez. So unfortunately, DAZN loses their biggest fighter, but it definitely leaves a lot of opportunities open for Canelo to fight. Hopefully he fights in the year 2020 and this whole year uh, isn't a waste for him in his prime. So hopefully we see Canelo Alvarez fight either in November or December. I agree, Alex. Hopefully we get to see more from him. I like Canelo. Power puncher, entertaining fighter. I'd like to see him fight again soon. Yes, indeed. Canelo's a special fighter, maybe the best fighter in boxing. But with the year layoff, you know, he's still got to prove it. Uh, next time he fights. Now let's move back into the UFC. Perhaps the biggest fight announced in recent memory. That's right, we've got Israel Adesanya, the current middleweight champion, moving up in weight to light heavyweight to challenge the recently crowned light heavyweight champion in Jan Blachowicz. I think it's a bold move for Adesanya to move up and become the double champ. I definitely think he's going to beat Blachowicz. How do you think that fight will play out? It's a bold but smart move. He definitely has the size to move up. He has the power to move up. And I think he's going to get the W. Um, I'm not trying to disrespect Blahovic's skills. But I don't think he has the same traits that Adesanya has. I don't think he's as dynamic. And I think fighting someone like Adesanya, that's going to be a lot more obvious. I think he's going to look a little slow and blocky and one-sided in that fight uh, and I don't see Adesanya losing it and do you think Adesanya is the best striker in MMA right now quite possibly yes um, he has some good competition I would throw Jones in there too and speaking of John Jones what do you think about that dream matchup that is just destined to happen between Israel Adesanya and John Jones. Like you said, man, it's destined to happen just a matter of time. I think Adesanya moves up, gets the 205 belt, 
becomes a double champ, gets even more hype around his name. And then at the same time, I think John Jones moves up to heavyweight, gets the heavyweight belt, no disrespect to Stipe. And then him and Adesanya meet together. And then the winner of that becomes maybe the GOAT. But what weight weight class would they fight at? I think if they're both going to meet, it will be at 205. I don't see Adesanya moving up to heavyweight. Maybe he could, but I think John Jones wants to show he's the best light heavyweight of all time. And if he beats Israel Adesanya, he further cements his place in UFC history. But if Adesanya beats him, you know, there's definitely the argument that he could be better than John Jones. He's younger than him. He seems to be more dynamic. And also looking outside the octagon, John Jones is biggest opponent hasn't been anyone in the octagon it's been himself and his battles with law enforcement and cocaine use maybe some marijuana in there but looking at Israel Adesanya he doesn't seem to be fighting these same demons outside of the octagon he seems to have his head on straight whereas John Jones we've seen take long gaps between fights because of his suspensions or various uh, other things that are not so good that he's doing outside the octagon that's true and let's see if any of that translate into the octagon thankfully for john jones it hasn't his uh, past fortunately hasn't caught up to him into the octagon let's see if it ever does and if that fight does happen i give it to the goat john jones by knockout third round you really see John Jones knocking out Israel Adesanya? I think John Jones will come into this fight knowing that this might be the fight that solidifies his legacy. And if he can put out a guy like Adesanya, someone who is arguably a younger, better version of himself, I think that would give him everything he wanted. But before we look too far ahead, Adesanya still has to get past Blachowicz who's right now the current champion, and we'll see how that fight plays out. Very entertaining fight. Looking forward to that one. And for Stipe Miocic, you see his next opponent being John Jones? Possibly. If not, maybe Francis Ngannou. It's not a good future for Stipe. I think he loses both of those fights. Yeah, Ngannou is an absolute destroyer. I don't even know if John Jones would want to fight that behemoth of a man. Honestly, if I were Stipe, I would just go out on a high and retire. Go out as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, undisputed. Go out like Henry Cejudo or Khabib Nurmagomedov as the champ? Absolutely. I disagree with that. I definitely want to see Henry Cejudo, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and of course, Stipe Miocic continue to fight and continue to add to their legacies. Well, David, thank you so much for joining me on episode number 21 of Combat Bets. Thank you very much, Alex, for having me. Hopefully I can come back on the podcast soon. Let's see how these fights go. Yeah, anytime you want to come back on, just let me know, and I'd love to have you on. Some really great conversations I felt we had. We did, of course, disagree on the GOAT. You said John Jones. I said Khabib. We'll see how John Jones fights. Hopefully his next two fights are against Stipe Miocic and Israel Adesanya. Huge legacy fights for him, and maybe he'll go out on top. Let's see. And don't forget to tune in to Combat Bets on the Believe Network.
Well, once again, I just want to thank David so much for joining me. I hope all my fellow believers enjoyed this episode. Now let's move into another boxing recap. I'm of course talking about the monster in Iowa anyway, taking on Jason Maloney. This guy just does not seem to have a weakness, and he said previous to his fight against Jason Maloney that his fight against Nonito Donaire, he was seen double for most of the fight because uh, his eye socket was broken against Donaire, and he still beat him. So this just shows the heart of this guy, the skill level. He absolutely dominated Maloney from start to finish. Beautiful counters whenever Maloney would try to get on the inside. And Nayoa anyway, he outlanded Maloney 107 to 62 in total punches, completely dominated with great power, speed, and accuracy. He's really got the full package, and I think it's only a matter of time before he becomes the undisputed bantamweight of the world before moving up in weight and challenging more fighters in more weight classes. Inoue is definitely a fighter to watch out for, only 27 years old, and only getting better with each fight. I can't wait to see him fight again. And he really beat Maloney because of his counter right hands, similar to how Uriah Hall beat Anderson Silva. He really landed a big right hand that ended the fight in round seven, put him down a counter right that Maloney did not see coming on another knockdown. I believe they both threw their punches at the same time. It's only that Inoue landed his punch with so much more devastating power that it put Maloney down. A really impressive performance, and Inoue is definitely an up-and-coming star and a great signing for top rank. Hopefully we see him fight more and more in these main events in Las Vegas in the top rank bubble. And what makes Inoue so dominant at this early stage in his career is not only his speed, but his timing. It just seems like he's moving at a different speed than his opponent, Maloney, and then his his timing with his counter rights and beautifully boxing, never being in trouble against a very quality opponent in Jason Maloney. He made him look absolutely ordinary. It definitely wasn't as tough as his fight was against Nonito Donaire, but give a lot of credit to Inoue, who put on the type of dominant and exciting performance that American fight fans wanted to see from this Japanese destroyer. So amazing performance from the monster, Naiwa Inoue, quite possibly the best bantamweight in the world. And now moving on to another fight that happened this past Halloween on October 31st between Alexander Usyk and of course his opponent, Derek Chisora. Chisora was really winning the early rounds, really coming forward, closing the distance a lot on Usyk, but eventually he tired and Usyk really dominated from that point on, landing with beautiful counter rights and nice jabs to keep the on-pressing and forward-pressing Chisora on the back foot. I thought that Alexander Usyk would knock out Chisora in the later rounds. That didn't end up happening. Give a lot of credit to the older Chisora for lasting the whole fight, but Usyk showed once he gets his timing down and his punching range that he's going to be very hard to beat and his speed is just at a different level than most heavyweights because he is a natural cruiserweight so we'll see where he goes from here 
Maybe he gets the winner of the rematch between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. We'll see how that fight goes. Last time out, it was a big upset knockout win for Povetkin. So it's really anyone's guess how that rematch could go coming up in November. But maybe the winner of that fight gets to fight Alexander Usyk next. If not, I'd love to see him get matched up against Joseph Parker, a very quality boxer at heavyweight. I think he'd be a real test for Alexander Usyk, but it's no doubt that Usyk is going to be a top heavyweight. It just remains to be seen if his power, his speed, and his overall boxing technique will be enough to get him over the edge against naturally bigger fighters. It was enough to get him over against Derek Chisora, but against better boxers, with better speed and timing, it's going to be hard for Usyk to put on that type of dominant performance like he did against Chisora. So, great performance here from Alexander Usyk. Of course, he would have loved to get the knockout, but still showed all his boxing skill and what makes him such a tough fighter to beat. Now moving on to another fight this past weekend between Jaime Munguia and Torino Johnson, This was a really impressive performance from Jaime Munguia. That uppercut he landed over and over in the fight that Torino Johnson could not get out of the way of ended up being the reason the fight was stopped. Munguia landed an absolutely beautiful uppercut that pretty much destroyed the face of Torino Johnson. If you see, he had a huge cut open up on his lip, pretty much split his lip open with an uppercut with a boxing glove. I'd seen that before when Jarzinho Rosenstrike opened up the lip on Alistair Overeem, but that was using UFC gloves. Doing it with a boxing glove and opening up the lip of Torino Johnson just shows the amazing power and timing that Jaime Munguia possesses. He's only 24 years old. He's a very promising Mexican fighter and with the departure of the big star in Canelo Alvarez it's going to be time for guys like Ryan Garcia and Jaime Munguia to really carry the mantle for DAZN. But overall a very impressive performance for Munguia against a very challenging opponent in Torino Johnson who wanted to come forward and close the distance. He got into a phone booth type of fight against the very impressive Jaime Munguia, and he got caught one too many times with a powerful uppercut. So hopefully Munguia fights again soon. Very impressive performance, and he's just on the up and up. I would say, of course, he has to improve on his defense because he did get hit too many times against Torino Johnson, but it didn't seem to matter because of his power and his placement, especially of those uppercuts that Johnson simply could not stop. So another exciting performance from Jaime Munguia as he continues to show fight fans he's one of the most exciting and come forward fighters in the sport. Still very young. I can't wait to see what Jaime Munguia does next. He's not quite ready for the level of a Gennady Golovkin or a Canelo Alvarez. So we'll see who he gets matched up with next. And hopefully DAZN can continue to keep quality fighters like this and they don't follow in the footsteps of Canelo Alvarez and later leave DAZN. So that will conclude my boxing recaps for episode number 21. 
Now let's get into some boxing previews for this upcoming weekend on November 7th, this Saturday, from Hollywood, Florida, on DAZN. In the main event, we've got Devin Haney versus Hirokis Gamboa. 12 rounds for Haney's WBC lightweight title. Right now, I see Devin Haney as a definite opponent for Gervonta Davis. We'll see if they can get that fight. But Eurokus Gamboa is a tough opponent, and he recently lost to Gervonta Davis in his last fight. So Eurokus Gamboa could be a common opponent for both Devin Haney and Gervonta Davis if they do eventually fight against each other. And Gamboa's record is 30-3. and three. His three losses have come to Gervonta Davis by knockout in the 12th round, Robinson Castellanos by a 7th round stoppage, and Terrence Crawford by 9th round KO. So his only losses have come to world-class fighters like Terrence Crawford, Gervonta Davis, and Robinson Castellanos. So clearly, this guy is a very quality fighter coming off other wins over Roman Martinez and Miguel Beltran Jr. So clearly Gamboa is a very dangerous opponent for Devin Haney. I just think that Haney will have too much in his bag for Gamboa to deal with. As we saw when he fought Gervonta Davis, Haney is one of the most promising fighters in all of boxing. He's an American fighter, 5'8", and he's only 21 years old, so just getting a start in his professional career. Right now, his record is 24-0 with 15 wins by knockout and 9 by decision. He's beaten guys like Alfredo Santiago, Zaur Abdulev, and Antonio Moran. So he hasn't quite yet faced a fighter the quality of a Eurokis Gamboa but I still expect him to beat Gamboa because of his overall boxing skill, his knockout power, his ability to close the distance on his opponents and really push for the knockout. I'm going to go ahead and predict Haney to win. I'll say by ninth round knockout, it's going to be a late round knockout as Eurokis Gamboa starts to tire. And some of his tactics that may have worked earlier in the fight are not going to work later on as Haney gets his timing down. Really the, one of the most promising fighters in boxing, only 21 years old, and he will be defending his WBC lightweight title in the main event November 7th on DAZN. You're not going to want to miss Haney in action. So really looking forward to seeing Haney fight against Gamboa. And my last preview will be on November 7th on Fox. We've got Luis Ortiz versus Alexander Flores. I like Ortiz to win this fight. I'll say by fourth round knockout. I'm not really too familiar with Flores. We're of course very familiar with Luis Ortiz and what he's done against guys like Deontay Wilder and losing to him. But still, he's a very impressive fighter, and I expect Alexander Flores maybe to be overmatched in there. That's why I'm picking an early round knockout for Luis Ortiz. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, thank you so much for listening, my fellow Believers, to episode number 21 of Combat Bets on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Jason Barron. Once again, thank you so much to my guest, David Pimentel for joining me on this episode. And remember, continue to social distance and continue to wear your mask as we beat this virus together. 
Kobe forever, Mamba forever. Everyone have a great weekend and enjoy all the amazing fights. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.